on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, for lifelong Saints fans, talking everything Southampton. Welcome to the Saints Prime Podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Saints Prime Podcast. Now we're here, it's the day after the semi-final against Leicester. We thought we'd take a day to collect our thoughts because, Harry, you had a complete blackout just after the game. Yeah. A social media <laughs> one, that is, not a, uh, you know, no, what is a medical one. <laughs> no, no, he had a blackout from the cookies and the cream that he had. That's, that was yeah, the blackout the, that he had. The sugar crush. Um, God, it makes yeah. sense now, guys. Come but on. yeah, we've got to talk about it, guys. A pretty, pretty flat performance in the semi-final and it's quite hard to talk about, but, you know, go on, Jamie, what have you got to say? Thing is, my honest, my thing when the Fans final whistle went, is I was more frustrated than I was angry, because I feel like Saints plays. If I, I don't think you'll agree, but I thought we played quite well, to be honest. No, I we played. I disagree. No, but, but we're not done yet. Let Jeremy uh, go. Let yeah, Jeremy yeah, go. Yeah, thank, thank you. Harry knows once I get rolling, the the information spews out. But I say <laughs> uh, the only thing that was we were lacking today was our the. Finishing in the final third, I thought the midfield defensively were, were quite well. Actually, only the only goal that scored was the one shot on target in the entire game. Like, it wasn't that like we defended terribly? The midfield probably held his own. Diallo's yellow card early on. I guess we'll get we'll go into what goes on, but that was very risky. But it's just, I was just disappointed that, that Danny Ings and Nathan Redden up front wasn't as deadly as we thought it'd be. Okay, so you're you're happy with the way we played, but you were just disappointed with the strikers. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's final third, Ollie. No, nothing happened. As I said, yeah. I, that's just that's just my opinions. I'm more optimistic. I was. Saints fan, but... I think you're looking on positive. So I think we played mm. a very poor game, especially for a semi-final. I thought against West Brom, we looked like we had no interest at all, and I thought, okay, it might be players just preserving themselves for the semi-final. And I know we're not a great cup run team, but we've had uh, teams that have, like the, the semi-final we got to last time was a very just uh, disjointed side, but at least they wanted to do well for themselves and that kind of pushed them on. But um, I thought the midfield didn't retain possession that well. I think it was bouncing around the whole game and we never did really get hold of the ball. And our pressing didn't really come in until maybe 60 minutes where we kind of got a bit of a kick. And then substitutions came on and the substitutions didn't really hit. So I think all game, we just looked a bit flat and I just didn't see our identity at all during the game. I thought the amount of times we put it up long to Danny Ings and Nathan Redmond, which is such a pet peeve of mine because we can clearly cut the lines with a pass on the floor. We've got it through Vestergaard. Diallo and Walprouse can do it and cut the lines through it. If we want to go straight to the attackers, we can keep it on the floor or put it out wide if we need to. But it just seemed like we panicked a lot and put it I like up high to them, which is just not the way we play. So I was just really disappointed that our identity just wasn't shown in that game at all. I think both sides were nervy. I think both sides were incredibly nervy coming into the game. And it, it, it really showed because the first half was really poor um, mm. from both sides. There wasn't a lot going in. There was quite a few. What annoyed me was the late challenges from Leicester weren't punished yet. Our first yeah. late challenge was a yellow. Um, which which annoyed me slightly, but uh, apart from that, I thought the referee did a fine job. It, there wasn't really much to go after, and I think it was it's just the the sloppiness and the slowness of the first half really put me in a nervy yeah. position. The amount of times that we just gave up the ball in the midfield from being Diallo was poor. 
I think yeah. I think Romeo is a massive miss um, from that midfield. Um, and it, it was just quite sloppy. There are so many times where we just players just wanted to get rid of the ball. They didn't really care where it ended up, and I think that's why it kept we kept going long. Uh, which Ollie's yeah. already said, but it doesn't work. And yeah, I was I was incredibly frustrated after the final whistle. I don't I don't think Leicester were particularly good, uh, but they were the better side than us, and they managed to record a shot on target, which. You know, you need to do that to win a game, and uh, we didn't do that at all. Yeah. Harry, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Ralph says that we left everything on the pitch. I said that I left everything on the floor after after the final <laughs> whistle. I was I was very disappointed. I was very, right. very disappointed. I think you've you've already covered it well, you know, Ollie's saying that, you know, it's a cup semi-final. If you can't get yourself up for that. I know what Jamie's saying, you know, defensively, I thought we were okay. You know, I thought we were okay, but they definitely targeted our right-hand sides. I think because the amount of times that um, Walker-Peters does push forward, the amount of times I saw Vardy just moving into that left channel, and a one-on-one with Jan Bednarek on the right-hand side, there's only usually ever going to be one winner. Diallo, like Mikey said, I know he's only 21, but he did give the way, give away a ball, give away the ball quite a bit. And there was a few chances where Leicester probably should have done better. I think it was the Vardy chip that went slightly wide, the, the Perez shot that went miles wide, and it just nothing clicked. So I think that that was the disappointing thing when you wait when you wait until half six on a Sunday. You wait all day. I was walking around the house, not knowing what to do. Got really excited, but also that excited sort of nervousness. And I just want all I want from a semi-final or a game at Wembley is to get get a chance where I think, oh, that was close. Force Spike into a good save somewhere. Get a shot that would just whipped past the post that I thought was going to go in. And a Diallo volley from about 25 yards that hit the stanchion was the closest that we got. And apart from that, I was sat in silence when Saints were on the attack. And I was very nervous when Leicester were going against our goal. So overall, I was just I was just disappointed with, with what I saw, to be honest. Yeah, it's a tough one to take. I mean, I was so nervous in the morning like I got up early and I was just nervous all through the day and I basically dedicated my whole day to watch it because I was like this is probably one of the biggest games we've had since we were in Europa League um, last time because even though we were in the semi-final last time I felt much less confident Mm. even at that time because our our team did just seem so disjointed Um, but there are kind of similarities that you can pull from the last time we went to this time uh, it, it, the most frustrating thing for me, and I, I said this earlier, was I think it's the fact that if we had our te- like our start of season form that we were using in the earlier rounds in this semi-final, I thought we could have had a real crack. But it, I, I just don't think a semi-final on its own is enough to repair the amount of damage to form that we've had recently. And the deal, the deal breaker was a goal from a person who won Player of the Month. You know, Ian Acho got was it ten goals in seven games, ten and eight six games? now, ten, ten and eight, ten and eight overall. You and know, he's the and top FA Cup goal scorer since his debut, I believe. Well, there you go, which is <laughs> mental in a way. Yeah, but that, that just kind of proves it, doesn't it? They've got they had Jamie out, Jamie Vardy out for a while, and they had a person that came in and uh, filled in. You know, they had Soonchu for out for most of the season. 
Fafana, who came in, I thought he was a young lad. They actually bought him for 30 million. Is that correct? Yeah. He's <laughs> only know, 20, that, that, that... but they bought him for big money. Exactly. So that's like quality they have in reserve. And bear in mind as well, this is a team that have performed in the Champions League. They did. They had a decent Champions League run when they were in there. There are still some players from that side that have won the league, you know, Vardy especially, peeling off to that left and burning Bednarek. That is a player who has done both Champions League and won a Premier League. There is much more experience in that side than we have in knockout competitions and when the pressure comes on. I thought a lot of the players we rely on to be cool and collective through the season didn't. And I think Mikey made such a good point that it looked like they wanted to get rid of it at the first opportunity. I think Mikey got that perfect. I think t- to sum up the rest of the game, Leicester were there for the taking. And I think that is the most annoying thing about it. They weren't on form. They they weren't they weren't well, they'd come off the back of losing. Um who who was against Three, again? Two, so West Ham, but I think they also mm. lost the game a game before that as well. They've been in really, really poor form as well. They, they've as well been as really, they've been really inconsistent. They've not been on top form. They they played with a back three for the first half. They were scared of what we could do, and we didn't even get at them. We didn't cause them problems. We didn't look like that we wanted to cause them problem. Usually, Armstrong running through the midfield is one of our strongest points. I think he did it once, twice. Mm. Ings had a chance to get a shot away two or three times, and he took an extra touch. Showing yeah. how lack of confidence he's got at the moment, because usually, like Danny Ings last season, would be hitting them first time, hitting them early, trying to catch the keeper out. Just didn't do it. Wanted to uh, wait for the best opportunity. Redmond, who's been so effective dropping in and almost playing as an attacking midfielder between uh, Armstrong and Gineppo or whoever's out wide, did it once and it worked. And he never did it again. And this was just before he came off. And I think it was Ollie saying the subs didn't work. I, I get the fact we went to a back three and I get the fact like Salisu coming on and I quite liked that. We had a bit more balance at the back. Probably a little bit too late in all fairness yeah. uh, bringing Salisu on that late. Trying to match them up um, like they did in the second half matching us up. Um, I think that that is the dis- disappointing thing is that there w- it felt like there could have been more team like, I think last time leaving Wembley when we played Chelsea in the semi-final I felt like that was the maximal we could have done on that day was the 2-0 defeat I think this time there was more to it and I think Rio Ferdinand said that players would regret the performance that they had against That's Leicester cool. on Sunday and I think I think they will I think it will be a regret and it's just another thing of this season where I think the goal summed up perfectly how our season's been just it, it was just a shrug of the shoulders like of course that's going to happen yeah. Hinacho was going to hit it out for a goal kick hits Vestergaard in the thigh bounces straight back to him and goes through Ryan Bertrand's legs nothing Forster could really do about it being what five yards out yeah. it, it was just a poor goal poor game poor performance yeah and I think one thing you mentioned as well was Armstrong's runs we didn't see any of that at all today the only thought I thought Redmond had a good 10 minute period where he was running at them and got into that pocket of space and they got taken off straight after. And I thought, he's, he is coming into this game and then he got taken off. Now, I know there is certain players you have to forfeit in order to get fresh legs on, but I thought he was one of the only players that looked like he was actually playing his game. I don't know whether that was just me. I also I mean, think he has experience. I think that's what we lacked as well. When I... When I looked at it, I thought Gineppo should have came off. Not because he was playing any worse than Redsman. I think they're probably pretty similar at that point. 
But Nathan we- Nathan Redmond's played at Wembley. He scored at Wembley in a big game uh, for Norwich in the playoff final. You know, we need players of that experience to be on the pitch. And when you take him off, it's I know I know he was was he replaced by Walcott, so it's a man to be fair with even more experience. But if you yeah. take off Gineppo and put on Redmond, I think that's that's a completely different attack. I, I was surprised when I saw the team sheet and I saw Gineppo was on the pitch, probably because of his five good minutes at West Brom. But I just I looked at, I looked at the first team sheet and I was okay with it. I think there was a couple of things, you know, I'd have liked to see Adams, I'd have possibly liked to see Walcott, and seeing neither of those was was relatively disappointing. But yeah, we just we seemed to lack almost we lacked everything everywhere. You know, we had ten percent less than them in every single place, and that that was the main disappointment. That was that was the main disappointment because now it does feel like we have nothing to play for, and we just sort of. We're in a stagnant position where I, I can't see us moving from lower lower to mid-table mediocrity. Mm-hmm. And now what I was going to mention earlier, and we'll come back to Che and the, the, the lineup, but mm. I was going to say, and this is on the point of lineups, for me, that team is probably one slash two players away from the best form we've seen this season. And it is just the players in the turn of form. For me, I'd say the peak of form slash the peak of when we played was the Villa game because a powerful Vestergaard header, a brilliant goal from Danny Ings showing his confidence and two Warprouse free kicks when he was probably one of the most uh, best dead ball players. On that form, Like he, he would have been best in England. You could have even, uh, say, one of the best in Europe at that time because he was just putting in everything he shot at that time from a, a free kick. So I'd say for me, that team, like the team we're playing there, was at the best form. If you look at it today, it was got to be exactly the same back line. I know Forster's come in for McGarfee, but that is out of merit because he's done well in the cup. And before that, we hadn't even conceded a goal. Uh, and then the other one's got to be Diallo for Romeo. And that's the other one where... Um, Romeo's missing but like yeah like I say that's that's two players arguably one is just because of the cup and Forster deserved his place to to play there because he played all the way through the cup and Romeo was the the one change so it's just highlights how bad the form's changed and that we miss Romeo as well I think Diallo getting carded how early he did really uh did change the dynamic of the game and I think yeah, Mikey's I right as well I think I counted double figures with the amount of times a late challenge hit an ankle of a player for both teams but yet the the only one that got carded was the first one in the five in the fifth minute it just seemed like <laughs> for me I think with that one I think part of it was because Leicester were on a breakaway and I think when Diallo lost the ball he then tried to make up for it with a challenge. And I think because they were on the counter-attack, I think that was the yellow card offence. Whereas all the ones that I can remember from a Leicester point of view, they were deep in our half. Nothing was really happening. It was just a late foot. It's frustrating. And I'd be the first person to moan at a referee every now and again. But I'm not saying they're they're like, they should all be yellows, but I'm just saying the physicality of that Leicester game. We used to be a team that used to bully people. And, you know, we used to be those dark tactics that Ralph used to talk about and some thing about pirates i can't even remember what that was but it was something about that we used to talk about pirates in press mm. conferences but now it seems like we're getting kicked about from leicester do you know what i mean it's just all the mentality sort of thing like i think we were quite mm. unlucky that everyone that stood on our players feet or foot was a different player so none of them did it twice so none of them got a yellow 
But yeah, I just it's just all about the mentality that we're in at the moment. I know they're trying to protect themselves, but losing a game 3-0 to a team 19th in the league, I don't care who you are, that's not going to help. No. And I think that's... that's You've got to win your games going into an FA Cup semi-final, like we've said. You can't pick up 10 points out of 45 games and go into an FA Cup semi-final expecting something to happen. Because the only team that I can think about doing that is Wigan. And that was, <laughs> what, over 10 years ago? Just under ten years ago, I can't quite remember. So, yeah, it's we had a lot. I had a lot of hope before the game because it, it was the conventional thing of you know Walker Peters saying that he doesn't feel nerves. You've got Warprow saying it's a different. Sorry, you've got Resman saying it's a different team, and you've got all the players left, right, and centre saying it's going to be different. And it's 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 that point where you think none of the words don't mean anything, and that's a disappointment. Yeah. That's the disappointing thing. We said it a year ago when Hoiberg came out at every press conference and said tomorrow's going to be different and then we lose 3-0 again. But it's it's knowing when to be, know when to believe. Because I know it's a good PR stunt or campaign when people say it, but then after a while it does it seriously loses its meaning. And I'm looking at the Tottenham game. I think it will. I, I don't know if it's going to be different, but I'm not taking my opinions on what the players say now because... They've said it a million times before. And I know they're told to say it, even if they don't mm. necessarily believe it, but it doesn't mean it's not frustrating. Yeah. No, it's true. Jamie, you've been uncharacteristically quiet. Oh, no, it's just, I'm just letting you boys express your emotions. Yeah, I know. I think... It's like an AA meeting, isn't it? It's just it, it definitely out. is. It's <laughs> lots of, it's four very upset boys, you know? I know. It's, just, it's not much more... I could. I, I don't. We want to add on your point because I think I do agree with you all. However, I think you are doing a bit negative. I think it's because a bit more negative just because the fact it is a semi-final FA Cup. That's what's mm-hmm. got more magnitude to it. So if it was just a normal league game, I think we'd all be the same opinion as me. But you got to say I should be more sad. So it's vice versa. But I, I don't know. Like I said, I looked, like you say very similar to you, Ollie. Like before the game, I couldn't sleep the night before because I genuinely had hope that we yep. could actually win this. Like I was saying, yeah. it's been house, but it's like. Do you actually believe you could win? It's like, yes, I believe we could beat Chelsea in the final. And just like, there was like, I think Harry, I think it was Harry mentioned it, like the Danians, or was it Mikey, so I mentioned they would take on, taking the shot straight away. It was, it was throwing, not throwing goal. Just, I didn't think it was score. I was like, mm. a year, like, yeah, yard of space for the defenders. A year ago, I'd be like, what's, oh, oh my goodness, <laughs> one all, let's, let's go. Mm. And it just, I just didn't have that gut feeling in the score. I saw I'm missing with Danny Ings. She's like, if from what Ralph said, he wants to keep him for next season, he's not going to sign a new contract. Like, is it worth keeping play like that now? That's what, that's what I'm thinking now. Because if he's not got the spark he has, you're not going to get as much money from him. The one thing I'd say with Danny Ings, I think Harry might have the same point as me. I think he has quality and a natural... He's the confidence. Uh, yeah, he, he has mm-hmm. a natural confidence to him. And I think whenever he comes back from injuries or periods where uh, he's not doing so great he still does have that spark because I don't think he's a hard worker but I don't think he's a, a serious player if that makes sense if you see him in training mm. he is the bubbly one he's the the one that does mess around and he tries things on the pitch not not to the extent of like Pella when he's trying like <laughs> back like flicks like that where it was too much but he does always try a little flick or a little flick on or a little one two and stuff like that and uh, the most recent goal we scored uh, against Burnley, Burnley, is that the one I'm thinking of? It, it, that doesn't look like a, a striker that was out of form, does it? That was a brilliant finish taken amazingly well. And I think that's the player you've got on your hands. 
he does have a confidence in himself because he knows he is a quality player. And I think that's why we're so worried of losing him because even if he's not having his best day, you still know eventually down the line it will come back. Whereas if he goes, then you're kind of stuck with players where you're like, I don't know where our star factor comes from. Yeah. That's, it's what, really weird. that's what we worried about. Yeah. It's really weird because... There's, I don't think there's ever been a game that he's been that quiet, yet there's never been a game where I've thought we can't lose you as much as I think we cannot lose you now. Because he's a player that's so key to us that can just do something out of nothing and pull us out of the right. And I know he didn't do that yesterday, but you can't, when you're a team like our size, you can't replace a player like that. And don't get me wrong, if it doesn't sound like you do, it's got to go because we can't, we've been over a million times before, we can't mm. replace a player like that uh, for free. But it's also the thing of if he doesn't perform in those big games, I guess he did against Portsmouth last year, which to us is a big game. But, you know, it's an FA Cup semi-final, and I know he didn't have a lot of service, so that's that's, a, that's certainly one way you could put it. But if you're not going to perform then, teams like Manchester City, we don't know what's going to go on with them, but pretends that everything's going to stay normal next season. You know, they need players that are going to perform on a regular basis. And he did that last season. And I imagine if he's fully fit, he'd do that this season. But it does seem like at the moment it comes in fits and spurts. And that's that's the frustration. But that is mostly probably due to his injuries. But yeah, I, th- I think the main, the main disappointment... From, uh, there's been a lot of main disappointments apparently. That one one of the frustrating things for me is the fact that we had we would have had Chelsea in the final. And like Jamie says, I genuinely think we could have won it this year. You know, I don't think I think we could have beaten Chelsea if we got Manchester City. I think that's a that's a one percent out of ninety nine times. And we had that one time last season, so we've got another ninety nine games to go, and so we beat them again. But yeah, we we lost and. I think one thing that really, I think one reason that we're really down at the moment is that in the year and a half that I last went to a game, well, we'll, we'll go, th- the last time there was two th- uh, over 2,001 fans in the stadium <laughs> because there was only 2,000 last time. It was the Newcastle game where we lost 1-0, didn't really create anything and it was just a fluky goal out of, not a mistake, well that time it was a mistake and that edged us out and it feels like a year and a half in the future we lost a game 1-0 because of an like a fluky goal where it's hit against our own player. We haven't really done anything in the game. And I know we had a red card on the Newcastle one, but it doesn't feel like progress. It doesn't feel like in the year and a half since those things have happened that we've moved forward where in 2020, we were so fantastic, at least in the second half of the year, that we're we're the third best team in England. And now it just feels like we've regressed again. And we're just going to stagnate. I think like Ralph said in the press conference, we're just going to stagnate if nothing happens in the transfer window once again. And it's not Mm. something we can change. It's not something the ball can change. It's the higher-ups. And that's the frustration with it. But the ambition's there, but nothing can happen. Absolutely nothing can happen. I think I think with that point, what we were fourth at the end of 2020 for Something like, like that. points picked up. We're bottom of the table for 2021. And yeah. I think that just completely shows how it is under Ralph and how it is like supporting Southampton. Is you can have some amazing results, some amazing times, and then these times will just come back around again. And the consistency that we show to be consistently good or consistently rubbish is insane. Like the fact that we can we've picked up ten points in forty five in forty five 
out of 45. Like, that is horrendous. And again, any other manager, you'd be calling for his head. But Ralph, I I still don't want to sack Ralph because I want to see where this project goes. But what what is the future? Seven games left now of the season. What do you want to see? Is there anyone particularly you want to see? Any lineups? Any people from the academy that you want to see? What what do you want to change in these last seven games? I'd love to see Teller start a few games. Because I really think he's our brightest spark in our academy at the moment. And I just, especially him coming on um, in those at the 82nd minute, we're alongside Mer. M- I need to, I need bottled that, but I've bottled it by doing this alongside <laughs> Sir Lucy. Um, <laughs> it did, did, did that change. I had that spark kind of, kind of playing a lot better. I think that's what Teller has. He's a very similar off the bench player to Moussa Gineppe. He has a, that little skill in him and can push forward. That's really interesting. Start. Another player I also throw out there is Obafemi's apparently started a light training and built up with the team. I don't know about you boys, but I think I'll just give him a go. One last chance, really, because we've got nothing else to lose. We're not, well, not, I don't say we're not going to get relegated because obviously there's a chance. But yeah. um, <laughs> Nine points. Nine points. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. like, I, why not give him a chance? Because he's... We, <laughs> no, like Dan Endler's not cut up to it. And... Teller's, I guess he is kind of playing as a striker, but also I'd rather have him on the wing. It's give him the go, and I think he can maybe prove us wrong. So he has had this sparks before. I guess look at the goal against Chelsea uh, that season. He had was it, it was that last season. Was it last season? Yeah. It was actually very decent for us. It feels like ages ago that goal. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like absolutely ages ago. Yeah, it's true. Ollie, do, you have, I, do you have anything well, before I digest? Digest. That wasn't <laughs> the right word. You, <laughs> you, you just go. You just go. <laughs> Why you digest over there? Um, I was just going to say, I think the one thing you can give Ralph is that when we were in a similar sort of place as last year, he did kind of keep us motivated to the end. So they will obviously be disappointed by going out. And I think you will have some that, even if it's not on purpose, might absentmindedly kind of switch off and keep themselves to the end, like kind of just coast till the end. But I think Ralph's good enough to notice who's still up and ready to play and I think once we get I think he'll aim for 40 points will be the next one and once we get 40 points it'd be the ones that are proving themselves the most so we might see players who in training or recently in performances play purely just because they are they want to play you know I think Ralph is a good judge of character I think he is quite good in that way in noticing who is actually playing because they want to and not who's just posting really um i also think it will be a point for us to judge what we do in the transfer window so i think walcott will get a lot more minutes and i think minamino will get a lot more minutes just to judge what we can get out of them and whether they are worth looking into i doubt minamino will but at least we can look at walcott and see what he's like i mean at the end of the day the more minutes he plays the more time we get to look at him um I'll throw this question out. What do you? What would you do with Walcott? Would you offer him a contract at the half amount that we're we're loaning him at the moment? Would you offer something in our wage structure? Would you offer him a little bit more than we're loaning him for the moment? Like, because Ralph has been impressed by him, but what would you guys say as a fan? Would you want him to stay or? I think I I would definitely get offer him as a one, if not a two year contract, because we need the squad depth. We need the squad depth. I'm all over the place, boys. Sorry to apologise. 
It's like I must. You're upset. Seen, it's fine, Jamie. I am upset. <laughs> I, I, yeah, everyone understands. We're all in the same vibe, you know. We're all in the same boat. Yeah, man. Yeah, sorry. It's, it's what it's what last Londoners. Oh, fair fair flow. Fair flow. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, back to Theo Walker. And I think he would happily take a wage cut by coming to us as well. I don't think really, realistically, any other team in the Premier League would, there's not really much point in going there because I don't think would take him, to be honest, because of the fact. Well, I think that's the same connection. He, he yeah, came here for a reason. But you've got to, he hasn't taken a pay cut yet. He is still getting his normal wages. It's just we're paying half. Now, if we take him. Is he going to want to cut his wages in half to come to us? Because I doubt that. I think we'd have to meet in the middle. The thing is, but the, pro- the problem with that is, what other team, because his contract's out at the end of the season, it doesn't mean he automatically gets that contract at a different well, no, team. I'm not saying that. But no, I'm not, I, I know that's not what you're saying. But yeah, like, yeah. for me, who's going to get him? Because I think, I think West Ham, the only team that probably would have done, have gone out of that period of giving 33-year-olds mm. £65,000 a week. I look at Crystal Palace and I'm thinking, because they're a different team interested and they're going for a revolutionary period where they've, they've realised they've got an old squad and need 23-year-olds like Eberichi Eze that they brought in. Whereas I think we're on the other side of the boat. Or not the completely other side of the boat, but we need experienced players that want to be here. And I think yeah. he'd be... I wouldn't necessarily say he'd be happy, but if he looks round, because he's, he's going to look round... Because he's gonna, because that's the way he gets a better contract. He goes, well, this team's offering me that, this team's offering me this, and if it's if it's a realistic, you know, wage, thirty, forty, you know, I, I don't know how I don't know how the exact Saints wage structure works. There's rumours of mm. things on different websites. We don't know if that's true or not, and no one's going to tell us tell us tell us if it's true or not. <laughs> but yeah, I I'd probably keep him, like Jamie said, on a one year contract with an with an option with a second year because once again yeah. it's a, he's another player that you can't trust with fitness and that's not mm. his fault that's just that's just what's happened his age. but I just think that the way so I think it's been rumoured he's on around £100,000 and we're paying 50 I mean you're saying 30 or 40 but I don't mm. think just almost in a competitive way I know it sounds weird but as a player you're competitive and you back yourself I know there's not many clubs out there but is he really going to go from what is now currently 100 grand a week to 30 grand for a team that he had a, a decent season at? I don't know, realistically, as a financial thing, whether he'd be willing to take a 70% cut on his wages for a one-year contract. But I, I'm just saying, just, just money-wise, I don't know whether... I mean, it'd be commendable if he does, and I would, I would say... He's a, that would be a brilliant character if he did take that amount of wage cut to go down to 40k. But if we if we meet him at the middle, like he was at 100, we were giving him 50. If we meet him at 75 in the middle, he's easily our top highest five earner. earners. Yeah, yeah so probably earners. Pro- yeah, probably our highest earner. So you know, especially with agents and stuff like that, I don't think his agent at all will let him take a 70% cut on what he's earning at the moment. I, I get the fact that Walcott's got a lot of experience, but if you look at the side that actually played yesterday, we've got an average age of 27 out there. We are still quite, well, we are still a very experienced squad. You look, Forster's played over a decade in football at the highest level, either at Celtic or at us. Bertrand's won a Champions League, he's played in the Premier League for the last 10 years. Vestergaard's played in the Bundesliga. Bednarek's played three years in the Premier League. Walker Peters is probably one of the young ones, Sojanepo and Diallo. Walprouse has got 
five, six, seven years of Premier League football under his belt. Armstrong's once trebles at Celtic. Redmond's played English football, nearly got 400 appearances in his career. Ings has played for Liverpool in the Champions League. We've got experience there. If we're just signing Walcott for the experience, then there's no point in getting him in because we've already got quite a lot of that. If Walcott wants 75, like 50 to 75 grand, either as 100 grand or whatever he wants, I wouldn't want to sign him. If, if, because he doesn't, He's not a player that I'd want to start for us. He's a player that I'd want to have an impact off the bench for us. And having, in our current financial predicament, we cannot have a player on 50 grand a week, 60 grand a week, 70 grand a week, just sitting on the bench. We can't have that. And that's why we're we're loaning out Long. We're loaning out Lamina. We're loaning out Hoyt. We're getting these players off the books, which Hoyt is coming back because Lazio don't (laughs) want to pay his uh, five million pound release clause or whatever it is. Five Um, million pounds. But, um... we're loaning those players out because we can't actually afford them. We can't actually afford to keep them. So bringing in Walcott, who he'll challenge for the first team, maybe in the first year. But if we're giving him a two, three year deal, which is what he'll want, how much longer will he challenge for? How much longer can he Mm. keep this fitness up? Because we know he's had injury problems throughout the entirety of his career. I would sign him for the depth, but, if it's going to be a wage that's more than maybe 40 grand, then I don't really want him. Yeah, I'm in agreement. But my my thing with the finances thing is that because of the COVID pandemic and the money and us saying that we're not going to pay over £10 million or probably not going to pay over £10 million for any player, do you think that maybe because of that, because he'll join on a free transfer, don't get me wrong, there'll be a sign-on fee of, uh, doesn't know, a couple million probably because there's no transfer fee involved. But because there's no actual physical transfer fee, do you think that will sort of help his cause of getting a £50,000 a week contract? So he'll go, well, you could sign this guy for 15 million quid or I'm coming here for a £2 million sign-on fee plus, let's say, £50,000 a week. Although I don't necessarily think that would be the case. You know, do, do you think that's part of it? Because we do need depth and he'll be the cheapest option of depth without paying an actual physical transfer fee. Despite the fact that, you know, two goals and I don't know how many assists maybe isn't, isn't the one, not maybe, it's, it's not the best despite the fact I know he's not played a lot of football in 2021. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I get I that and saying. I get the fact that mm. we, don't, we don't have a lot. I think it's, two goals and three assists in 18 games he's got for us in the Premier League this year, which is probably one of our best returns for a winger this season. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, I mean, it it is just, it's an incredibly difficult situation because we are just going to be stuck in a hole this summer. Um, we are going to be reliant on loans, which I think we can only can we only get two, or is it only two, two from English Premier League teams? And then mm. we can get loans in from elsewhere. But Mikey, we're linked with Jacob Murphy from Newcastle, so get excited, John. <laughs> I, I, I honestly can't picture him. I don't know who that is. Newcastle, Newcastle player had a loan spell with West Brom and Sheffield Wednesday. Is he a left left wing back, left winger type think player? So. He scored yesterday, he? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yes. yeah he scored for. Um, uh, it's just, it's just a rumor. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't even know how to react to that. He's more of <laughs> yeah. the same. The problem is like when I when I actually contemplate uh, what I was thinking about Walcott 
a few about a week ago saying how much char- how many chances he creates despite the fact he only gets two or three goals. I think what Mikey said there, comparison comparing to our other players makes him good. But then when you compare him to the rest of the league, I really like Walcott. But I think comparing him to our squad probably isn't the best thing to do. I think comparing him to the other teams around us, have a look at the players like like Eze, like I've already said for Crystal Palace. And that, that completely blows him out of the water. But I think next season, it will just be another year of stagnation. I don't think that's necessarily a horrendous thing. It's just a frustrating thing. I think as long as we stay in the league again, I think people will be relatively okay with it. I think the finances will be okay. But to answer Mikey's question from earlier about what he wants to see, I think the back four is way too protected, or especially the back two is way too protected by Ralph. I think conceding the amount of goals that we have, what, the second most in the league, I know a lot of it was down to the 9-0. Take one of them out and put a Stevens or a Salisu in. Because I know a player like Stevens hasn't been on the best one when he has played, but he's certainly someone that would want to play for the club 100%. And Salisu's got a lot to prove, so take those two out or take one of them out and change him up. And just, just bring some fresh impetus into the squad. I know Jankovic hasn't played since his red card. Give him some minutes because why not? You know, he's got a lot of quality. His contract runs out in 2022 and he's wanted by a lot of clubs in Europe. So if nothing else, that might help his transfer fee if he doesn't want to sign a new deal. And like Jamie said, give Teller more, more of a run in the team because when he started against Leeds, he had a good game. And I think the game afterwards is quite decent as well. Just... Try and freshen stuff things up because there's not been a lot of rotation in the last 15 games, and we've lost 10 of them at least, maybe even 12. So why not change a team that is quite clearly at the moment isn't working for some reason or another? Because I look at the points that we have picked up, and I was saying this to someone yesterday. Like, don't get me wrong, we've deserved those points because we've got those points. But a main reason that we're quite clearly away from the drop is because we've beaten what I feel are two of the three or four worst teams in the division in Sheffield United and Burnley. And we lost to Newcastle, who for me is also one of the worst teams. So we're six, we're nine points clear rather than three points clear because of fixtures. Luck, not lucky fixtures because everyone has to play them twice. I do understand that. But we're away from the relegation zone, basically because other teams like Fulham can't hold on to Leeds. West Brom have only started performing recently and Sheffield United have a championship-level squad that might push for promotion next season, but equally without a manager at the level of Chris Wilder, might stagnate like Huddersfield or Stoke and just stay in the championship for a long time. Whereas next season, if Brentford go up, they've got a fantastic squad. If Norwich keep Emi Buendia, Todd Cantwell and Pookie starts firing, they've got a great squad and they've sorted out their defence in the Championship. So that's already two spaces that aren't going to be easy relegation battles. And say with Watford go up with them, because they're likely to, they've got quality along the pitch and they're, they're a team that aren't scared of spending 15 million quid on a player left, right and centre. Or they probably might need a new manager because he's not got the correct <laughs> uh, managerial coaching badges. But if he gets those or doesn't get those, they'll get someone else in. And they've quite clearly done well in staying up in the Premier League for a few years before they went down. So it's not going to be easy to stay up once again next season. I think the um, the quote that Harry used earlier, I think we left everything on the pitch today. He also followed that with everything that was possible for us. And it feels like that is the situation mm. that we're in. It feels 
very similar. Well, not not exactly similar because we were in a much more dangerous position to Gabby keeping us up at Swansea because we're not going to stay up because we're good. We're going to stay up because there are teams that are worse than us. And that's the only reason why it feels like that. That's what this drop-off has felt like. We've seen it so many times where I, I know these are newly promoted sides, but you look at like a Blackpool or a Hull or something like that where they came up, brilliant first half of the season, and then they just dropped off. Like Palace a couple of years ago, they were fifth and then they dropped off. So we've done the exact same thing. So I don't think we'll end up going down, but it is something that we've got to be cautious of because we might carry this form into next season. We won't have that sort of boost that we had at the start of um, this season to keep us up. And I think that is a real issue that we could be running into. Um, it's been a very negative podcast, but I don't, I don't think there's actually been a lot to be positive about coming away from the last, well, since the turn of the year, really, there hasn't been a lot of positives to take. No, not really. Shall I look at the Instagram and quickly <laughs> see what people have been saying there, which probably is going to be bleak reading, a lot of it. But, you know, you've been kind enough to get your stuff in and get read out. So I'm going to treat you and I'm going to once again <laughs> read out the things you've been saying. Uh, so Bradders 7 said possibilities of next year's next year for Southampton. So it's, it's very difficult without a transfer window, but you know, what, what do you think is going to happen next year? What do you think? Who's going to go? Who's going to stay? We'll just have, a little prediction. We'll obviously have a bigger prediction two months in advance when we know who mm. stayed, who has gone. But you know, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I think we've mentioned <laughs> literally if we're backed in the summer. If we're backed yeah. in the summer, we'll be fine. Maybe push up the league a little bit. If we're not backed in the summer, they're down. Like, like I said, Watford, Brentford, people like them. Norwich, they keep their good players. We're done for. I think it's who we get out. And I mean, I don't think we'll be invested in the summer. I think we will just get as much as we accumulate, basically. So it's essentially the people on the out list, how many go. So whether Lamina goes, whether Hoy goes, uh, Carrillo, has he gone now? I yeah, don't, yeah, he's, already, yeah, we he's, left, he's left done. Going for a free. Uh, it seems like Vokins and Valerie pretty much seem on the out list, I'd say. I know they're not major people taking money out of the club. But uh, we'll have a loan that goes back. It depends what we do with Walcott and how much we invest in him. Um, so, and then whatever's left is left. I think we'll probably go for two 10 million signings again. I think that's probably what it'll be. Um, but I think that's probably, as bad as it sounds, I think that's probably best case scenario if we get two 21 year olds for under 10 million. I think that's probably what we'll go for. So we'll probably need either good wing-back cover, so someone who can play mm. left and right wing-back, and maybe a attacking, maybe? I don't know. It depends what happens with wingers. But So if both if both our loanies go, then we might need a winger. But if not, um, possibly a strike as well. I don't know. What do you guys <laughs> think we need? I, I, Sorry, I've only, I've only just looked this up. I mean, I, I understand why Vokin a lot of football because he had his little blip of his heart and thankfully everything's okay and he can continue playing he doesn't have to retire but Valerie's played twice like he's started two games for Birmingham he's back in France Mikey is he back in he's France he's training in France yeah I saw his Instagram story like um, for, it's like, they, they, he's not even wanted in Birmingham 
He doesn't come across as a Lee Bowyer player, does he? Like that, no. that's the frustrating thing. I think for, I've said that word so many times this podcast. <laughs> it's been a frustrating season. What, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that, you know, they they he was signed under Ito Karanka. He got sacked, and now they got Lee Bowyer, and neither manager he seemed seemingly impressed under because he had more than two games to impress under Karanka. So it's yeah, it's if I was value, I'd I'd definitely be looking around next season because if you can't get into the Birmingham squads. I don't think he should be getting to the Saints one either, despite the fact that he did have a boatload of potential when he did play for us. And I was excited in the first season, but some things just don't come to fruition. I thought Josh Sims was fantastic and now he's in Doncaster. He's doing well, but I think that's sort of his level, top of League One, bottom of the championship sort of level. So, yeah, I think to answer your question, we're probably we're going to stagnate in the Premier League, but I do, I do think we're going to stay up. Just like Jamie said, fingers crossed that from a selfish point of view, I hope Norwich sell Buendia. I hope Brentford don't go up and Barnsley go up instead. <laughs> and I hope Watford sell Ismaila Sarr and bring in three really bad players because that would keep <laughs> us up. But, yeah. yeah have a looking around. We've also got Sammy underscore P underscore one says, how can Ralph say we've left everything on the pitch when we've had zero shots and target in a big game? We've already covered that. So hopefully we've covered your point. Uh, Graham Foreheads, says, why didn't we create any chances? Uh, I I don't know. I mean, what? why do you think that was? Why do you think, do you think it was because of the solidness of the Leicester defence or do you just think it was the lack of impetus from our wingers? I think tactically Leicester did really, really well of cancelling out any any um, threat that we had. Playing the three at the back, it meant that Ings and Redmond had another man to get past. But then there was space in that midfield. I think we tactically did it wrong. The amount of times that we tried to loop the ball over Leicester's defence wasn't working because either the ball was too long and it went out for a goal kick or the ball was too short and Evans just swept up everything. I thought he was brilliant in all fairness. Um making that any old centre-back who's played for the top six, <laughs> they can can we just sign them? Because we've turned down <laughs> Gary Cahill, we've turned down Johnny Evans, and we just signed someone like that, that'd be great. Um, I think Dude, that was one of... That was <laughs> one of the, I was waiting for someone to, <laughs> say, I was for someone to say that. <laughs> Too fair, we need the faces, that's what we're missing. We didn't we see the Vestergaard play. switch very much either, did we? No. I don't think what Peter's kicked on that one much. Of, one of the issues was the fact that we were just looking to loop it over their defence. Mm. And the They're problem with quick defense. Is that <laughs> keepers are sweeping now a lot more yeah. than they were before. So if you put a ball over the top anyway... As long as the keeper's judged it right, he's getting there before your striker is, unless you've got a Jamie Vardy up front. So it's, uh, I think we just played it tactically completely wrong. I, I think I think we did it wrong, and then we slowly grew into the game in the last sort of twenty minutes of the first half. Started to dominate a little bit more. Played a good ten minutes in the second where we pressed higher, and then Leicester scored, and then we just sort of booted the ball around for. 30 minutes not really having any direction to play I think that's basically what happened and we didn't create anything because we lost our heads when we went 1-0 down and that is something that has occurred a lot this season where we go a goal down and that's what the surprise of the Burnley result was was the fact that we went down and we came back we don't do that a lot this season Mm. a lot anyway so it, it is mentality it feels like as soon as we go a goal down we start losing belief in ourselves yeah. and that's when that's when we start losing games enough, though, I wasn't super worried when we conceded because I was thinking I'd rather us like chase the game 
because in a in a uh, a cup that kind of provides more pressure. And whenever we've held on to a lead in a cup, we've always let it slip. So I know it sounds bad, but when we conceded, I was like, well, at least that will wake us up and we can try and flip the momentum and then kick on kind of thing. Like if we got a goal and then it went to extra time, then we might have had the momentum, but we just didn't look like we kicked on at any point. So we just go on. So Cyril, I I'd argue that our best part of the game was after they scored. Yeah. Like, that's when the Danny's chance came out and the Vescar just across just missed his headers and Diallo happened. Yeah. That kind of gives a little bit of a spur, but just I think we had five minutes after their goal where we looked good and mm. then I think it just died off after that. We just didn't keep the ball at all. No. And uh, in in all fairness, I think uh, well, all of our cup games, we hadn't conceded. So I don't think we've had to chase a cup game this year. We we haven't had to. We've we've been very dominant in most of the games, even against Arsenal and Wolves. We were either dominant or we defended well. We didn't yeah. cause ourselves a lot of problems. So and it was a tight game up until that point. I know people were saying Leicester were the better side. They they didn't create anything apart from that Vardy chance where he chipped it over the top. There wasn't a lot else on for him in that first half going into the second. And that's why as soon as the goal went in, I was thinking game's over because it was such a tight game for the entirety of it. It just didn't feel like sides were going to create chances. And it was that one chance that was going to finish it. And that's what Leicester did. They had a second crack at it and they scored. Yeah, yeah. Uh, James Lee underscore uh, James underscore Lee said, "Why doesn't he ever change formation? And put Stuart Cam in a four-three-three, for example. Is that is that an annoyance? I know we've also said it quite a lot, but there seems it seems like we always, despite the fact he says, you know, the way we play against Tottenham and it's had to change, but it always from from the naked eye always seems like it's a four-two-two-two. We sort of try and play in the same way." but sometimes we're a bit more defensive or a bit more attacking. Apart from that, there's no other sort of fluidity between it, which is a, is a real surprise to me anyway, considering the form that we've been on. That You know, last time we went on a horrendous run of form, we went from a five-back to a four-back, completely changed. And I know you can't change it overnight, but if it's not working, you might as well just throw a spanner in there and surprise the team that you're about to play against. I think there's a lot of a lot of managers and a lot of coaches in the game. It's not it's not like oh plan A's there and it's not working, let's move on to plan B. It's plan A, what makes plan A better? How can we improve plan A? And I think that's what Ralph is. He tried to do the plan B when playing that three at the back at the start of um when he came in, playing three at the back and three up top. And it worked and then it didn't work for him. So he then just switched it up went back to what he knows and now he's trying to find ways to improve plan A and how to make that better instead of holding reset. You think we've done work on this formation for like the last year and a half. It's been what we've played and it has shown successes in it. Just we've been found out a couple of times and I think a lot of the time we have relied a lot on set pieces in the fact that we've got War Prowse who's a brilliant free kick taker um, and Vestergaard who is massive and now all people are doing is masking Vestergaard and we're not getting him free so maybe that's something to look at not getting um, and yeah I think it, it is looking to see if a plan A can improve I don't think there is a lot of plan B's anymore you look at Guardiola and, all that and there's <laughs> many plan B's but with that with that plan A I think when you look at Guardiola he's got 
so many different players that you can tweak a plan A. Whereas with us, it seems like we had one really long period, the end of last season, not the right at the beginning of this season, we lost three games, but the set just, just after the beginning of this season. Whereas if it was like on this run of form, if it was like the team that we're about to play against has 15 case studies and different ways how to beat us, because it felt like Leicester beat us in a different way than West Brom beat us, and West Brom beat us in a completely different way than someone else that beat us in that run. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but it feels like different teams have beaten us in different ways rather than them going, right, we'll plan this or we'll target that. I think Ralph has to adapt. I, I think he does have to adapt. I think the way that we were putting success a lot in the first half of the season was Vestergaard's long switch to Walker-Peters. I think that was one of the ways we were pulling a lot of success. So that's one thing that you can close out is you get your winger to drop a little bit deeper or move your striker over and then that cuts that ball out completely. Um, and maybe that's something we've got to look at is how we actually cut through a team. We There was space there to maybe have an attacking midfielder there or maybe for strikers to drop in to be almost a number 10. And players are false nine. There was space there for them to do that. And we didn't do it. Um, so And that was one way that we could have broken through Leicester's midfield. And I think that is something we do struggle with is being outnumbered in midfield. But also, our system's not really set up to attack. It's set up to defend and it's to press. So it's very hard for us to be creative when our system is literally there to be basically a barrier to our goal, which is why it's very annoying that we've conceded so many goals (laughs) since January. Oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, the last one that we can go for was Nate564, who said it was a tight game, frustrating because we had no agency and chances, waste of a trophy opportunity. And that was the most annoying thing. It was the lack of urgency. I just remember like there was 10 minutes to go and the amount of times we had a thrown in our half in the, like on the left-hand side. And Bertram was looking around like, why, why is no one moving? Why is everyone over this side? No one's given me an option at all. And I think that was, that was my disappointment, that for a pressing team, and a team that runs a lot, there wasn't a lot of running and there wasn't a lot of making space, at least in the last five, 10 minutes anyway, when, like Ollie said, you're chasing a game at Wembley on a game that it doesn't matter how many goals you concede because there's not goal difference in the cup. If you lose 2-0 makes absolutely no difference. If anything, for me, it's better if you lose 2-0 because it feels like you've thrown everyone forward. Just, yeah. yeah. Harry, stop doing so well at wrapping things up. I know. It's hard There's for nothing us to else come to talk about. From, friend. They're just too good. Derby University is paying off for Harry Tizard. There you go. <laughs> man in media. Oh, man in media. Right, is there anything else oh, to cover? Yeah. Or is Harry? I think, I think we've covered every blade of grass at Wembley. I think this podcast. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's been good. I think it's been disappointingly good because I wanted this to be a, a joyous podcast. Sadly not. Sadly not. Okay. Do you want to touch on Spurs? See. Oh see yeah, what? guys. Predictions. Wednesday night. Yeah. What's well, next going to happen? Will guys. we win? No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Well, we think we will win for a bit before the game, maybe. Mm-hmm. Then will Harry Kane we've got, us? we've got continental places <laughs> to be fighting for. downwards. What you got? What you got? Harry Kane likes playing against us, and but it's very injured. scary. He yeah. might be injured. 
and then Spurs are incredibly off form, but Mourinho has been sacked. So Ryan Mason's taking charge. And if he wins, the, to be honest, if we can let him win and he can get the Spurs job, I think they'll just be funny. So I wouldn't mind that in all fairness. <laughs> yeah. The thing that's um, more about boys is the return of Danny Rose, possibly. Yeah, oh, the no. dangerous left back. <laughs> I get Danny Rose and Gareth Bale on the left hand side. Again. It'd be like 2012. Get Tom Huddleston back in the midfield. They need it. They need the legs. Luke Tom Huddleston and Paulinho. Yeah, those two in the midfield. Yeah. That's, that's a good throw. Roberto Soldado up top. He's at Granada now, I think. Doing, doing quite well. Yeah. Oh, congrats to him. This isn't a Saints podcast anymore, is get it? Gomez in goal as well. Get big Brazilian like Gomez in goal. Someone get it back great. Ledley King. Back. Bring it around. Someone and that is all for today go. at the Saints We're gonna win, win one nil. Danny Ings is gonna do what he did last year and block a Larice clearance or tackle him Ooh. on the goal line. He'll poke it in and we'll hold the ball in the corner. Would you take a nil nil? I take yes, any point that just we can get the line. I'll take anything, anything we can get at the moment. Nil nil, we get a clean sheet. That is the best thing that can come a point. Get a clean sheet and a point. I wouldn't be surprised if both teams are just so down on form that none of them just want to attack and we just both stay each side. Sorry, everyone, for the little cut there. Our recording cut out. But I think we'll leave it at that as everyone's a bit doom and gloom. Mikey, head in his hands, probably crying. So always the best note to leave it on. You've been joined by me, Jamie Allen. Who else has been joined with, boys? Someone wondering why we let you do the outros. Harry, Tizard, Mikey Maidman, Ollie Bose, thank you uh, very much for listening, you wonderful uh, people. I love you. We love you. Goodbye. Stay. Uh, Mikey, took, why are you speaking over me, Mike? I'm doing an outro. What's that about? What yeah, is that about? I prefer Ollie to do it than you now. <laughs>